Oh, welcome, welcome if you're in the underground. Sorry we couldn't get everybody in. Uh, we love you too. We're uh, having fun. We are happy, happy, happy. <laughs> My arm was bigger, that would show up. Um, Welcome. We're go Father's Day is just goofy around here, and there's a reason for it. Uh, I got the chance to go to uh, Monroe, Louisiana, West Monroe, Louisiana, and interview some of the Duck Dynasty guys. You've seen Duck Dynasty by now, I'm hoping, okay? I mean, here's how popular this show is. Uh, Wall Street Journal, Friday, front page of the entertainment section. This was the picture that was in it. I might have photoshopped myself in, but that was their picture on the Wall Street Journal. They're everywhere. Country Music Awards, everything, right? Every place you go, walk into Walmart, forget about it. It's Doug Dynasty junk everywhere, okay? Here's the beautiful thing. They are believers. They're very strong believers. As a matter of fact, you know that at the end of their show, they pray together, and they've, uh, they've kind of forced the issue on this whole bringing uh, faith and family and God all together. And I just want to say a shout-out. To Phil and Kay, and Willie and Alan and Jeff and, and Jace and all the gang, uh, we love you. We love what you guys are doing. I can't wait for you to see how we've uh, worked this all stuff in together. But listen, here's, here's what I did. I wanted you to get an interview. I, I wanted you to see a little bit about, you know, the down-homeness of who these people are. I wasn't supposed to meet Phil and Kay when I went down there. They were uh, at a different place, but because of the ATV, I had to go to Phil and Kay's house, and they just invited me. And they were, I mean, they were have, literally having dinner. It was like I walked onto the set. They were having dinner with some family and some friends they invited me and they started feeding me I just got to show you this video because it's funny they just brought me in and treated me like family and it was an incredible experience uh, I've heard from Willie this morning he's at my buddy's church down in Indianapolis speaking for Father's Day and he got to see the entrance video and they're really excited about it here's the deal and Alan and Alan has been a, a minister for 22 years and so he and I really connected in a fun way uh, the deal is this year on the show Alan is the older brother he's gonna come on the show uh, as who he is as a pastor as a preacher they're introducing him on the show gonna work him into some stuff which brings a whole nother level. And here's what's going on. As, as Duck Dynasty has gotten more and more popular, A&E has kind of been able to release a little bit of the boundaries about things. And so I think season four is going to be an incredible opportunity for the gospel. At their church, at the White's Ferry Road Church of Christ, which was a sister church of ours, they have between five and ten people a week show up from around the country to show up and say, you know what, I want to get baptized by one of the Robertsons. Because they talk about that in the books and in, in the show. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's going on. So we, are, we really appreciate what they did. I wanted to interview some of the kids, some of the boys, because, um, because Phil, when he was uh, early on in his life, he, he, went to, he went to college in Louisiana, played football, actually was ahead of Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw was his backup quarterback. Phil was a great quarterback. They asked him to go into the NFL, and he said, no, I want to go duck hunting. Okay, that's the kind of people these are. And actually, you know, when it's all said and done, he'll probably have made more than Terry Bradshaw by the time this is all done because, uh, you know, he's not so dumb. But, but he wanted to duck hunt, and, he, and he, so he, he went and he did that, and he also bought a bar, and he walked really far away from God and, and treated his family pretty bad, even kicked his family out. I mean, when you, when you meet Miss Kay, you know she's a sweet woman, but when you know what she's gone through, uh, you, you know. I mean, this is, a, this is a great woman of God. And, uh, and kicked his family out, and it was, a, it was a rough time early on. And then finally he turned around and came back to God and became a, a very godly man. As a matter of fact, was studying the Bible every day, became an ordained minister. Willie is an ordained minister. Jace is an ordained minister. Alan is an ordained minister. So you're going to hear me talk about that in, in this. And, and it's pretty amazing to, to know what God did in their life. But as they grew up, Alan, the oldest, and Jeff, the youngest, also did a prodigal journey. 
They also walked pretty far away from God. So I wanted to interview them. I wanted to interview Alan and Jeff, and I got Willie in the mix too so, because I wanted to get, it, wanted to get the, the whole thing. I wanted to talk about uh, fathers and what it's like if you've got a father that wasn't all that you wanted him to be and, and how we can be good dads. And, and, and here's what happened. Um, I thought I'd get you know, 15, 20 minutes of good interview and then preach a Father's Day sermon. It's 35 minutes of gold. And so I just decided, forget it. I'm just going to show this, okay? So you're just going to watch this. I'm going to come back at the end, offer you the opportunity for communion. And, uh, and so right now, what I just want you to do is just, uh, I want to transport you like I was this week to West Monroe, Louisiana. Just kick back a little bit, okay? Knock off some of that Chicago edge just a little bit and listen to these guys talk as they talk about what God's done in their life. All right, thank you for welcoming us to West Monroe, Louisiana. It is awesome to be here. Better town than I thought you guys made it out to be. But um, I just want to talk for a minute about your history, okay? Uh, you know, obviously Phil was not a good dad. You know, I think anybody that watches the show, he's going to admit it. You read his book, whatever, your book. Phil was off, off the reservation, really off. And, um, and so you guys were around. You were young during that, that period of time. Then he found the Lord, found the Lord in a big way, obviously, and you know, started studying the Bible every day, seminary, all that stuff. Um, you guys had a, you know, he came back in, became the disciplinarian. I mean, pretty, pretty hard line. And um, and then you guys both kind of flew off the reservation for a while as well. So I just want to talk about living with a dad that, you know, isn't isn't the dad that you wished you would have had. Because I'm, I know there's a lot of people in this audience that are going to be you know, relating to that, and and then, you know, what that transformation was like when Christ came into his life. How about that? I'll start, uh, you know, I'm the oldest, so uh, I knew him the whole time, and, and literally, you know, when he was at Louisiana Tech uh, playing football, I was born. So, you know, they were very, very young, he and mom, and so, you know, part of us being a young dad, uh, and, you know, it's late 60s, a lot of stuff going on, you know, there in, in their lives, and so he just he had raised, he had been raised up in the church, had, had you know really had a good childhood himself, stable parents, but like a lot of people, just you know lost track of where he was, and even though he had a young family, uh, you know he just began to drink and kind of run with the wrong crowd, and the same thing that draws so many people in. Mm -hmm. So, but my growing up, I mean, I still totally respected dad. Uh, he just wasn't around enough, you know, for me personally, and so. I didn't bond with him like I have as adults now, sure. uh, but I still, you know, I respected him. I loved him. I, I never thought he didn't love us until, you know, it got to that point of drinking and all that where it really just kind of, you know, went off the reservation as you described it. So, you know, we grew up in the, you know, backyard of a bar, you know, right. that dad ran and that was kind of at the lowest point, you know, of where we were as a family. Uh, Willie was just a little bitty tyke at the time. Jeff was not even, you know, on the radar yet. And Jace was small. He, they don't hardly even remember those days. But, of course, I have the most vivid memories of what that lifestyle was like. And so, um, you know, I think Mom depended on me a lot as, a, as a, you know, sort of her oldest son. I was kind of a – so I probably matured beyond my years, had a lot of responsibility uh, that I didn't have otherwise. So uh, I think it, it impacted me in how – in the period of prodigal that I had. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't like it's just, you know, we didn't have a relationship. We still did. I loved Dad then as much as I came to love him later. Uh, so, you know, but the background obviously made a huge difference. Uh, and it was interesting because as soon as he sort of made the turn and did the right thing, it was almost like within, you know, it felt like within months inside me, I kind of began something that wasn't quite right internally. And it took a few years for that to come to fruition because I was young. 
But uh, it's interesting how the devil works like that. You know, sometimes he, it seems like he leaves one place, you know, and goes to another, and that was kind of the way it was with me. So, but they were kind of raised in a little bit different setting, I guess, than me. But that was kind of my upbringing. You got any memory of it, Willie? No, I don't have any memory of uh, really dad ever being bad. All I can remember was him being positive and good. Uh, he was he was tough at, for sure on discipline, but we were wild too. I mean, good night. We were. You know, a bunch of boys being raised in a two-bedroom house and didn't have any money, and so no TV really. So it was just we you know had to make up our own entertainment. Yeah, it was yeah, just boys being housing. boys being boys and not bad, just you know fighting and punching and competing at everything. And so I just remember Dad working really hard and uh, you know trying to trying to better. He was such a motivator though. He would tell us these stories and. He gets all fired up, you know, about the business and about, you know, building the duck calls. Yeah, which we were all doing, yeah. and we were working. We, we'd we come off from school, and we'd dip the calls. And I remember I was always embarrassed because I had all the ends of my fingers were stained with tongue oil from dipping those barrels yeah. and hanging them out. And then we'd fold boxes at night when we did watch TV, uh, mostly Dukes of Hazard. Uh, we'd watch that <laughs> and uh, fold boxes while we watched that. And so most of the memories are great, and... um you know, Dad, it wasn't, he was a, not, he's not the dad like I am, and he's not dads like I've seen others. I think dads can be all different. It wasn't real touchy-feely or huggy, but uh, I always felt like, you know, he loved us, and he kept us in line, but and he really just treated us as almost like adults. You know, we just, he didn't, there wasn't a lot of rules or regulations. He just said, hey, you, um, if you do what's right by God, I won't have any problems with you, and kind of instilled that, at least in me, and I guess probably me and Jason, in an early age to where we just, we lived for God, and he kind of hot-wired us straight to God, and it wasn't this, you know, no curfews, no anything like that, just take care of your business, and, you know, you want to go to college, great, if you don't, hey, whatever you want to do, you know, just stick with the Lord. Factor. Yeah, there, there was a respect a... factor that he built in that, that translated for you with God, it, I mean, talk about that a little bit, because he was easy going, but you didn't want to cross him. You knew that, right? Oh no, no, we didn't want to cross him. He, he, there was there was a certain fear we had for him. I still don't want to cross him. No, I don't like crossing him now. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. I mean, he's sixty-seven. I still yeah. don't have Nah, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, you had to stay in line. He taught that respect factor not just for himself and for mom. But also for you know other aspects of authority, whether it be our teachers, or school bus driver, or principal, you just didn't you know you didn't want to get a bad report on you know that you were disrespectful in any way, and so he instilled that in us, and and we had a yeah we had a fear, and we, and we had heard the stories about the fighting and all that he had done, and although he and never talked it. about it, but he, yeah. he never he still doesn't talk about that stuff, but we had heard him from other people just about how what a rough guy he was, and. You know, at, at 10 years old, it's kind of cool. You know, we sure. thought it was kind of cool yeah. that our dad was, you well, know, he was he certainly said, macho. You your know. dad could whip another, you know, your friend's dad. Oh, it you was, yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and they believed yeah. it. They, they weren't even a question. Yeah. But they he said, it. you know, we were at an event the other night, and he said he said something I'd never heard him say. He said, in, in 48 years, you know, that my kids have been around, from me down to the others, not one time in all those years had we ever disrespected him, you know, to his face. Yeah. And and I never I've never heard him say that before. 
and I didn't, and I got thinking about it. I thought, well, you know, right. And I, I always just considered it to be fear and didn't know, but he recognized it, and uh, huh. you know, so he said that just recently, and so you know, made me feel good, but I also thought, man, we, he's right. I, yeah, I can say unequivocally, I've never. I, right, said, yeah. I wouldn't. And now, now think about it. I, you know, Jeff and I did some things behind the scenes, obviously, right. that were disrespectful right. of our belief system in him, but but never an open, you know. I'm going to tell you this, or bow up, or never. Not one time. That's what he said. And well, he so, said. Okay, b- before I jump over to you, then, let's, let's, let, how does that transition to how you guys are parenting? I mean, you, me- you mentioned that you do it a little bit different, and there are a lot of different dads. Well, what did you learn from your dad that you passed on as a good dad? Um, I think the same sort of respect that I wanted, I wanted to instill in my children. I felt like it happened uh, young. I, the, the only advice I give, and I've... Um, five children and um you know the oldest ones i'm super proud of at this point they they made me proud and um and my younger ones too but you know they're still yeah, you, know. <laughs> you know 10 years old so we'll see what where they end up as teens but um that stuff happens early you know it happens at two years old and yeah. through that's where you it's where you do it you know and if yeah. they're if they're if they're out of control there when they get older they're gonna be really out of control so most have witnessed that from my friends and so i really want to instill that in mine and put that same type of respect but however i wasn't like well this is how my dad did it because there were things that you know as i got older i wished i i wish dad would have did and i there's memories and things that i wish he would have done uh you know with being more involved in things that we were involved in and um although you know i I think a lot of people go so far over where that becomes religious almost uh sports or whatever and dad had pretty much done it all and i think he was um he kind of got that you know, I've done it all, and a lot of it doesn't mean anything. Right. So he he had the master's degree. He had played college football. He'd done all these things, and I think he saw the the emptiness that some of that brings, you know, where you think that's going to do it all for you, and it didn't. So he didn't really push us to do any of that yeah, stuff. And, you know, but however, I wish he would encourage encouraged us to push harder and try harder, you know, um, sports and things that we want to get involved, music, whatever, you know, just just things that he was, he didn't he didn't care much about. So, um I so I've tried to adjust that in my with my kids, and I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be there where they it wasn't just all fear, you know, and they you know where they would, you know, where we could have that uh, that relationship. We all verbalize it more definitely. Sure. Dad never I never forget the first time he had heard a sermon actually at church and about telling people you love them, yeah. and so he t- asked the preacher after he said he said Are you saying that I should like verbalize it more? <laughs> and the guy's like, Well, yeah, Phil, that's exactly what they said. So that and then we're all adults by now. We got kids, you know. This has been a few years ago, and so we're all playing dominoes, you know. And Dad's like, he just stops the game, you know, and he's like, the kids are running around. Oh, turn that TV down. Oh, you know, classic. Just kind of everybody got, and he's just like. I, I, I just I just want to tell you boys how, how proud I am of y'all and, and we're just sitting there sitting there looking you know and we're young fathers ourselves you know and he said and I just want to tell you I love you and it was just crickets you know we're just sitting there and we're all things physically like he's gonna he's, he's got cancer yeah he's that way and so then he's like and nobody says anything and so I think Willie finally says. Well, we love you too, Dad. You know, so just like a little, and then like it was like a record, and then the noise just started back up, you know, and all that. But it was like because it just shocks us because he doesn't, he's never been a big verbalizer. I love you, and so I think I, I tried to do a lot more. I have two girls uh, and now two granddaughters, but I think I've probably done that much more, you know, just because I know the importance of it. And so, like I tell my girls every time I see them or I text them, you know, I love you, and so. I think I've just taken that as I wanted to do that more. I don't feel 
like that ain't you know he should have told me more it's just i know the importance of it yeah. and and he recognized it too yeah. at some point and i'd sure. say i um having witnessed you and jace and yeah i'm i see myself more like dad and how he raises i see myself and my and my dad a lot like we're very similar to where i'm i'm super laid back and i don't have a lot of rules and 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 my kids are good, you know, and so, yeah. um, and had they been terrible, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I'd have made, had to make different adjustments, you know, if they would have just been out of control. But, uh, but I, I find myself, when I, I find myself being a lot like my dad in my parenting. How about you, Jeff? Well, I probably got to see dad, um, at his best as a father. Like, uh, yeah. he definitely, you know, was more hands on with me than, than, my brothers like he came to a few of my games basketball games and um but you know in the end it's funny i mean in the end like willie said he, he wasn't real big on rules and um curfews or who i hung out with he just kind of trusted you know that i was going to do good and um, that didn't always work out that that definitely didn't always work out um there was a period there kind of my senior year of high school going into college or I just got the crazy idea that I just thought, I'm just going to try what the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. And I'd gotten baptized when I was like 14 or so. And, um, but, you know, I, 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 I tell people I don't think I really ex- knew what sin was until that summer. <laughs> until you figured it out. <laughs> until I really I went and found out, you know, yeah. there's a lot more, you know, bad things to do. And, um, did that have anything to do with them? Um, one, either you or your dad, in, in, in the book, said that you guys that the family had a little more money by the time Jeff came along. And did that have anything to do? I mean, were you were you spoiled? You're a spoiled kid. Uh, you know, I I would have to say yes, <laughs> and they're gonna say yes. Uh, I think by we had a lot more. We had a little more. <laughs> by the time it got to me, I think too, just like my mom was like, and my mom did most of the spoiling, you know, yeah. and I think. Yeah. And it wasn't because, you know, it, it was because she was happy that they had more and she wanted to give me more because, I mean, you know, because that's the type of person she is. She's just so giving. And um, I definitely, you know, I took advantage of that. And I was I was bratty at times, I guess you'd say. Um, but well, it was more about what, what they were funding. And so they were funding things that it takes money to fund some sinful behavior and so and she wasn't paying attention dad wasn't either and actually when jeff was going through that it was probably we were doing some remarkable things for the church uh, with our house churches and so involved and studying with people and 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 out there trying to convert a lot of people and mom and dad were telling me just we had a real movement going on and so he he got looked over in that way and so the the money and the things and all that were you know it was it was contributing, but it was, you know his heart was where it wasn't right. And uh, and I had, you know, we they helped raised me in a lot more manner. And Jace, like with the brothers knowing what that was, he was so much younger. Mm-hmm. We weren't paying attention, and we'd almost kind of gotten out of the loop by then. There was such a gap that it was kind of that, you know we didn't even know what was going on. I don't even know what kids are doing. You know it was yeah. that kind of deal. And and with us at our age, it was a lot different to where it was it was hard because Jason and I were real close in age, so he knew a lot of this. You know there was he we knew everything was going on with us, and he just he, even me and I was the closest in age to Jeff, and 
and I didn't know, and I was trying to, but I knew he was up to no good. So I got him when he was in college, uh, and then I was his college minister. So, uh, so then I took over and started. I, I started. Yeah, Willie, when we had the big intervention for Jeff, Willie was kind of the point man because he knew a lot of the kids that Jeff was running around with, and it was obviously having a huge imp negative impact, not just from Jeff's perspective, but the whole group. On the whole group. Exactly. And so, so Willie kind of spearheaded the the big intervention we had, you know. Well, I'll never forget, like right before kind of everything came to a head, I went to the movies <coughs> with my buddies, and uh, and Willie left a note on my um, car. Do you remember that? Mm. And it said, I know what you've been up to. We need to talk. Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Brother, awesome. I thought yeah. you meant when I came to y'all's apartment and y'all started yeah. lighting all the incense candles trying yeah. to <laughs> cover the smell. I remember that one when I'm yeah, banging. I was banging. It was him and his cousin. Yeah. And uh, I was banging on the door. I, they, it took them way too long to open that door. I was like, who doesn't open the door in that amount of time? Immediately. Well, talk about the intervention because that, that's a fascinating part of the story. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I guess I, I got to really make sure that everybody gets this. You were, you were in youth work and you're an ordained pastor, right? And, and you are too. And so is Jace. No, I'm no. I've never been ordained. I hate for you to be left out. Okay, we'll, we'll get you all set up. But but I, I don't think you know. I mean, you obviously there's only so much you can do on A and E. But I, I don't. I think it's important that people know that. So there was a spiritual foundation for what they were doing for you. Let's talk about the the intervention time for you and what they did, because um, that's a it's a it's a gripping story. And we you know we got prodigal kids represented in this congregation. You know, I mean that that's. How did that go? Tell us about that. Well, just a short little backstory. For those six months, I mean, I really was ripping it up. I mean, I was taking pills, any kind of drugs I get my hands on, drinking daily. I was starting early in the morning. And uh, and it was weird because, and it kind of how it happened was, I went out, it was like Halloween. We had gotten just horribly, you know, intoxicated. <laughs> I woke up and my... I just woke up and I was in a driveway and my foot was in my truck. Like I'd been driving. I don't know where I went. I don't know what I did. And then that night at that party was a guy that was in um, that was in Willie's uh, college age group that I was rarely attending. And uh, he was there that night. And so he knew, and he wasn't doing what I was doing. You know, he just kind of came, you know, to see some friends. And, uh, and so I think he had told Willie, kind of what up, mirror that was uh, one of the Lynch boys, mm. and, uh, and he had told Willie. I, so I believe Willie was one that kind of set up the intervention. Uh, and it was weird. I was working um, while I was going to school. I really wasn't going to school. I was acting like I was going to school. Uh, but I was working out at mom and dad's, and I showed up down there at like 8:30 in the morning. I see all my brother's trucks, and I'm like. This is weird. I mean, like, I don't know why Al would be here or Willie. I mean, Jace would be there because he was working there at the time, too. But um, so I walk in, and there's all sitting around the couches just looking at me, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, something, yeah. something's did. happening here. Yeah. And um, I don't remember exactly Dad how it all went down. Yeah, Dad said, I need those keys. And, and then he said, I think the next thing he said was, you need to take those earrings out of your ears. So I had my ears pierced. Yeah, yeah. And uh, radical. So and Dad just said, you know, we know what you've been up to. We love you. And he said, you got two choices. You can keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. 
we're not going to be a part of your life. You're just going to do that on your own. Mm. Or you can, you know, give it all to God right now. We're going to be here for you. You're going to be on house arrest for like three months. Right. And you're going to have to go duck hunting every day, which I was sitting there thinking, mm, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I just saw how emotional, you know, we, I mean, we all just started crying. And Dad, which I've seen him cry like three times maybe. Yeah. And that was one of those days. And, um, you know, best thing ever i mean well, what did you say what did you say to your dad afterwards he said that in his book you said something about what took you so long or something yeah, along those i did lines. I, I did i said you know what took y'all so long i mean which it's kind of a i guess looking back on it, it's kind of a selfish thing to say but i just no i i, I, I needed help and i just yeah, you know I, I didn't think i needed it i guess it's phenomenal. I mean, right. I, what I what I what I'm saying is for people that are listening out there whose kids are walking on the wild side. I mean, you can you can jump in on this, Al, but you know your kids your kids are hungry for they're hungry for discipline. They're hungry for I mean, they're hungry for love, and they want you know all those other things. But they're hungry to know that you're going to watch out for them because they're going to screw their life up, and and it may be you know maybe too late to be able to do something about some of it. But he needed a, he needed he needed clarity. He, he needed to understand what the choices were, right. because he was lost in it. You know, and so you know that day provided clarity. This is a choice. If you want us, you, you know, this is your family. We love you, but we can't support the way you're living, yeah. and it's wrong. Yeah. And so when has he got that clear choice? And then Jeff. You know, we we knew of some things, but then he just like poured, it's like vomiting. You know, he just poured it all out. He was like, here's where, because he wanted to get it out. I mean, that had just been inside of him. And so to have that opportunity. And so I'll never forget, like, when, you know, we were crying some that day, but when we left, and I think it's in the book, like, I got halfway home and I just had to pull over and just wept. I mean, there was so much emotion. And part of it was because it went back to me, you know, making my turn back. And part of it, we had been worried about Jeff. We've been praying about it. So, like everybody, you know, when you have a, a someone in your family that's out there, you know, you're just, you know, you're in that battlefield for them every day. And so, I just never forget just when that dam broke in me. It was just like so emotional. You know, I just, I wept, you know, heavily. You know, it reminded me of Peter. You know, in that realization of moment of, you know, but in, for me, it was, it was a joy. You know, but it was so much tension that built up in our family because of that. But obviously, you know, and Jeff, you know. I mean, that was it. He made the turn. And, you know, and for me, it was similar. Um, you know, I had, I was younger than Jeff was, and, and I was much more secretive about my stuff. And, right. I mean, they didn't really even hardly know. And it all came out. And when it did, basically, Dad gave me the same choice because at this time, my brothers were young. And I was only 17. I just graduated high school. I was very young because I started early. And so, you know, Dad basically told me what he told Jeff, but it was just he and I. And he was like, Al, you know, look, if you're going to stay here and be a part of our lives, you're going to have to do the right thing. If you're not, you're going to have to hit the road. You know, you're out of high school now. You know, you got to go. Well, unlike Jeff, you know, I still, you know, had a little bit in me that, you know, I was still a little more independent. And I think part of it is like, hey, you know, you, you did your thing. And, you know, because, again, I was raised in a different home. So I was a little more defiant, although not to his face. And then I, so I, I left. I went to New Orleans and, and lived down there for about a year and a half. It got way worse. You know, but I didn't have much of a relationship. I mean, I would see them sometimes, but I'd come home a little bit. But we were pretty distant. And Dad and I talked very little during that year and a half that I was down there. And so uh, got involved with a woman, and her, you know, she was married, and it was just a big mess. But, you know, when I came back, here was the most powerful thing about Dad to me. <clears throat> Dad was doing great. He knew the Word. 
He had tried to teach me. He had told me, you know, what was going to happen, and it did, and he was right. And when I came home and just said, Dad, you know, I'm ready to come back. You know, by this time, I'm, I'm only 18, but it felt like I'd been gone a long time. And I came back, and I sort of expected, like Luke 15, you know, I expected to be like, okay, well, here's what it's going to be, and, you know, just you stay over here. But Dad did none of that. I mean, he was just like the father in Luke 15. He just, like, embraced me. I mean, literally, you know, he embraced me. And also he just said, Al, man, come on back. Come to work for me. Go to school. He didn't, like, give me, okay, now you got to do boom, 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 boom. None of that stuff. He, he knew that I just needed to be embraced. I, was, I had made the decision. I was ready to do the right thing. And so he baptized me in the river not long after that. And, and that's been it. I mean, my life is, of course, you know, a lot of sin and, you know, I'm yeah. imperfection. But, I mean... My goal has been from that point forward to serve Christ, and I've done it my whole life. You know, and that point turned me around. That's perfect segue. Let's talk about let's talk about your life with Christ. Let's talk about um, what's the name of the church camp? Camp Tioka. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a big part of your guys' life and and the church and and being involved in that. The transformation that happened in your dad was radical. So when he saw it happen in you, you know, when he saw that your heart was really broken, I think he knew once Jesus got a hold of that. Was it was all going to work? Talk about how you how you now as dads are are trying to transfer that faith to your kids and have transferred that faith to your kids, and uh, you know some advice for our dads out there. Well, um, you know, a I think you try to live it. Um, you know, you can talk about it a lot, but unless you live it, uh, I don't think it means hardly anything and so um that's the problem with a lot of pastors kids is they see they see their dad talking it but not living it so you got to live it and although you're going to make mistakes too and so um you know when you do you you talk to your kids about that and i'm not talking about their mistakes i'm talking about your own mistakes which is tough and i've I've done that with my children and i've told them hey man i I don't want to you know don't want to be like that and so uh we've changed and and for them too and they're they're spiritual as well so they they teach me as well which is uh which is cool and um you just try to get them to um find their own faith that i certainly don't want their faith being based on me and uh mm-hmm. or based on some idea uh of me and especially in this position that we're in now man you, you know it you you know there's a lot of people Telling you're the best thing ever, and um, and and telling them, and so you just gotta, you know, I try not to listen to all the negative things that are said about me, and, and the positive, because the positives are, you know, um, you just gotta take a balance there, and um, and, I, and I don't want that to screw it up. The good has outweighed the bad for sure with what we've been able to do because of what the Lord's blessed us with, and um, you know, there's more challenges and things to overcome with this. However, there's been so many powerful tools that we've been able to use it for, for our platform and what we want to do. So, um, you know, I try not to, with my children, I just try not to overthink it because at the end of the day, they've got to find their own faith and find their way. They may end up like, um, you know, like Al or Jep or, or Dad. It may be more like mine and Jace's story, which didn't have all the ups and the downs. Sin was there for sure, but not as... <laughs> you know not as overtly and and played out like that and um so you don't know where their past going to be and so um I try not to overthink it and you know will them into making you know doing what I wish they would do and should do and uh they've got to find it and um you know you're raised by not just your dad but a lot of people and so um I was able to be father figure like he mentioned I didn't even remember you know writing the note 
for doing that and that was us trying to help our dad out for me it was other folks involved there was other my youth minister played a huge role in my life and just uh he was there you know i in fact i stay with him all the time ran around with him and uh um, the guy that I work for uh, played a big part in my life and uh, shaping me. And so, um, you know, as, as fathers, I'm, I trust and I have faith in the Lord and the kingdom of God that I believe in that there's other people out there that will help as well. And so and I need those people, especially the position I'm in to where I'm gone and, you know, pulled out in a bunch of different directions. I need, I need people help and I need my in-laws. I need people that are going to be a positive, you know, role model in my kid's life. And, and they have been, so I can't ever, as good as they are and as much as we brag on them, I, I really can't take all the credit because there's, there's a lot of people that are helping raise this family. And church family helps and we realize that and that's so important and, and that's why we spend so much time in ministry. In my case, my, my kids were, again, raised in a little bit different thing than, than these guys, my brother's kids, because of the success of the show and a lot of other stuff right. we've done. But, you know, I raised my girls with the same basic principle. I, I told them I was in ministry and I was a pastor, but I said, look, I learned this from Dad. No matter what we're doing, we're committed Christians. If I am at the mill, if I work for Duck Commander, if I work for the church, don't, I don't want to get the pastor's kid excuse because, look, I'm committed to Christ no matter what. And I want you guys to be for the right reason. So my two girls, you know, one was very compliant and one was, you know, always a challenge. And so I only had two and there was one of each. Yep. And uh, But I had a watershed moment with my youngest daughter who was more challenging, you know, one night when I just basically did the same thing and challenged her life where she was. I did it in love. But she needed that. And when that dam broke that night and she cried on my shoulder and I just loved her and I didn't give her all the rules at that point. Here's what's going to change. I said, well, we will have some consequences, but we'll talk about those tomorrow. Tonight we're just going to talk about giving this to God. And that was a changed moment for us in, in her life. So I learned that from him and how he treated me because I knew what it was like to come back, you know, after you'd been out there doing some things. So, you know, it's both ways, and you have to be able to be ready for that with your kids. So I'll tell you what I loved about Dad. When he, when he, whether he was whipping us or, or getting on to us as we were older, um, when it was done, it was done. And that's what I love about Christ, love, and what I read in the Bible is that when it's done, it's done. And you move on. And for so so many times, you folks just can't move on. They want to just relive it, and we're going to go back there, and we're going to remind. And um, I just, that's it. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. Once we've moved on, we've moved on. Because if we can't show others the benefits of Christ, um, it's not just going to heaven, it's that we when you do mess up how in the world do you fix it and if if our christ cannot fix our problems then what good is it i mean we all have problems so we need a way to figure out how to fix these things how to move on and how to sit down have it out and then move on and let's grow and let's love each other and that's what i love about christ and that's what i try to emulate with him is the same way is the same way he loves is to not bring that up with my kids and say i've told you every time you do this you know and i just didn't want to be that you know yeah. didn't want to be that that guy and i said i'm not going to do it and uh and no matter what i'm going to love them because christ loves us and um I, there, there's consequences but no matter what i'm gonna love them I'll make sure that they know i'm here and i'm gonna love you and you know okay. even though you screw up you know and I, i'm gonna be here um, I was going to say, as far as like, uh, you know, I know my parents aren't perfect, but I think my mom is like the sweetest, most loving lady on the planet. Sure seems like it. <laughs> and I think my dad is one of the boldest, uh, just outspoken men for Jesus Christ on the planet. I agree. 
And so I just Gary's running for president in sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, I mean I really try to mix those two things with my kids and really try to lead by example, uh like like they said, and, and try to love unconditionally like my mom. But I mean and it, you know what helps is my wife is the most say, awesome y'all lady. Well. Y'all married yeah. well. That helps fathering a lot. Yeah, my my wife is really, I mean, my rock. We lean on each other. I I couldn't have picked a better. I I say I picked. God, God picked that yeah, relationship. Yeah. Um, so we're in it together, and and we have um, a way we do things, and it works. I think you gotta have action too and you've got to move on some things and um you know one thing is we live uh we'll be living uh about a seven or eight hour and apart from each other uh my my wife's family lives right there we 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 made decisions to help our family life out and we could have had houses isolated out bigger and you know this but i literally chose we're going to be here because this is going to help our children it's going to help when Others can come over and help, and our children aren't running around with, you know, maybe kids we don't want them running around with. And so we, we've made choices, you know, that will try to help our families grow and be uh, be stronger. Um, making our, you know, for me, our kids going to camp, you know, and we, we committed not just to financially I help the camp, but also um, my kids are there. They work there. I want them to be in that environment. They go to Christian school, and not that that... So did Jeff. So not that that, <laughs> not that that makes it, not that that makes it better. But you know, I think, I think for some parents, some you've got to do some things. You know, you have to have, you have to have some actions to do things right. You're gonna to have to choose. We're gonna to have to do this to make. If if the computer's a problem or the television's a problem with the, you know, it's like why, well, you have to make a hard choice to say, you know what, that's it. I'm gonna pull the plug and and for my kids, there are rules and. If you if you break these rules, this is what's going to happen, and um, I I will take this away. I will take your phone away, whatever it is, and that's gone. And you will you know now you're going to have to live with it like that. So um, you know, make an action. We can't be lazy as parents, and I just uh, right. we we drift back into laziness, and we have to say, all right, nah, I've got to get up. When they were two, it was you know I knew. I said I'm getting up right now. And we're we're going to take 20 minutes and deal with this. At, when they get to be 15, sometimes yeah. it's harder because you get kind of in the malaise and go, eh, maybe I'll, yeah, right, but you still have to get up. When you see those things, and you have to get up and, you know, you have to be proactive with that. You got to live in the now and look to the future. One of the, I know there's probably a lot of folks in your church and your audience that are listening that maybe didn't have the best relationship with dad. Maybe there's a disconnect. Maybe they wish they could go back and do something different, but Look, you got to live in the today and go forward. And so you may not have had the best situation. Uh, it may not be like us where we're all living together. Maybe there's distance. But everybody can make a decision today to do what God says, I need you to do this today to have this best situation. And you may have had a terrible situation with your dad or your grandpa or somebody in the past. But again, as long as that plagues you in the today and the future, you're never going to be able to then help your future and your children get beyond that. So, you know, just like Willie was saying, we learn to let God deal with everything we couldn't deal with and deal with all the past and then move us forward and it changes our relationship. So, I mean, I would definitely tell anybody, wherever your past is, man, that's okay because God deals with today and where we go from there, you know, which is so important. So I've got people probably in the audience. I know I've got people in the audience. They don't have Jesus. Tell Tell them about why they need Jesus in their life, not only as a dad, but for everything else. 
one comment I got on that is uh, uh, several people I've shared with, they'll always say, man, I'm just not ready yet. In a few more months, we clean some stuff up. And I always say, you'll never be ready enough. You can't clean it up. Right, you, you can't do it without Jesus. So there's no, there's no time soon enough to turn your life over to Jesus. I would add that if you can't, we need, there's only one perfect father, you know, and he's in heaven. And he gave us the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate sibling relationship by offering his son to then add us in as a co-heir. And so no matter what happens in this life, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, we have an opportunity with Christ to be in heaven forever. And so to have that chance and opportunity, it, it just it goes over any and every family situation to be the best possible thing in him. And so I tell people all the time, your situation may be horrible, and it may be that way for a long time, and you may be just trying to survive and figure your way out, but I can promise you that God offers something better in Christ, an eternal home with him. And I can guarantee you in eternity, I mean, it is the ultimate family. And so it's the ultimate hope, and if your situation is great, then it's just going to be even greater. If the situation is crappy, then it's going to be awesome because you're going to experience. But either way, it's a win-win in Christ because he offers us eternal hope. And there's nothing else on earth that can do that. Yeah. Now you understand. What was I going to cut, right? And, and we will be able to put this on the Internet. I hope you'll share it with the people that didn't get a chance to, to see it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, and... Uh, this is Jep's ordination certificate. So, uh, Jep, we got you covered right here, man. Listen, I, um, I know that if, uh, if, the, if the guys were here right now, they would say, I hope you got some good fathering advice out of that. And I hope it was, you know, I hope it was encouraging for you to think about, you know, even if you were a bad dad, what Alan said, you start here and you go forward or whatever went on in your life with your dad or whatever. Cause because I get that Father's Day is not easy. Maybe you lost your dad this year. You know, maybe you're a dad and things didn't go well. Maybe you lost a kid. I mean, there's so many things. And, and I understand all that. But the deeper pain, I think, is come, comes from either a bad relationship with your kids or a bad relationship with your father and you're here at Father's Day. What we would say to you, it, they would too, is start here and move forward. That, that's what's really important. But what they would also say, I, I know this, that... that None of that really matters because what, what, everything is about Jesus. Everything is about finding Jesus. And what I loved is how they kept coming back to the prodigal son story. About how Phil would welcome them back even though they were prodigals. And about how God welcomed Phil back when he was a prodigal. And how they understand that, that, that sometimes they run away and they come back. And I know that some of you might be in that situation today. I just want to read from Luke 15. That's what they talked about several times along the way. The prodigal turned around and went back home. That's called repentance. Turn around. You come back to God. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to run to you. All you've got to do is turn around, and he's headed towards you. He's waiting for you. And he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. 
See, the thing about Father's Day that I think I love so much is that we all have a heavenly Father. And He loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Father's Day might be hard. I mean, I'm, it's, it's hard for me. My baby's in Africa, you know? And, and my dad's with my sister down in Dallas, and we're not together. I, I, Father's Day's not always going to be easy for you. But, but, but what I told Becca as we were talking was, you know what? You're being a father to the fatherless right now, and I love that. So you're, you're, you're going on behalf of me. And besides that, I'm not really your dad. I told my kids that at both of the two weddings that I did. I'm not, I'm not really your dad. I'm just a surrogate parent for a while because you have a heavenly father. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And so, so no matter where you're at, I, I just hope you get that image of God in your mind that, that God loves you so much that he wants you to come home. It doesn't matter how far away you've been. We're going to have communion right now. It's, uh, it's your opportunity to repent and turn around and come back home. It's your opportunity to say, God, I, could, could I be back in the house again? And as soon as you do, he's going to wipe out everything that you've ever done. He's going to welcome you home. He's going to have a huge party because that's who God is. And that's how much he loves you. We celebrate communion every week here at Parkview. And uh, just so you know, it's welcome to all believers. You don't have to be a part of our church. It's the Lord's table, not ours. And we're going to celebrate that in a minute. What this could be for you is a moment for you to say, God, I, I want to come home. Maybe you're walking with him. Maybe you're not. Maybe you never have. This could be the opportunity for you to say, God, I want to I come back home. And you know that he loves you. You know how much he loves you because he sent Jesus. And that's, the, body represents his, his, the, blood, the bread represents his body and the, and the cup represents his blood that was shed for you. And, and, and he died so that you could be free. And you could have what Alan said, eternal life and eternal hope. And you can have the power to be a good dad or a good mom or a good whoever you are right here on this earth. Because Jesus will make that happen. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are our heavenly Father. Our Father who art in heaven, we, we are grateful that your name is holy, that, you, that your name is hallowed. And we thank you for our daily bread. And we thank you for uh, forgiving us our sins. And we thank you for doing all the things that you do for us in our life. But most importantly, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross so that all of my sins could be wiped out and that my past could be gone and that I start from this moment forward and, and then I go on in you. Lord, there are people in this room that need to turn to you. They need to repent and turn back to you right now, and they need to follow you. And I pray that you will be with them as they open up their heart right now and say, God, could I come home? Because I know that you're going to run to them and throw your arms around them, and you're going to have a party. And it's going to be an awesome Father's Day in a way that maybe some people here never really imagined was going to happen. And, and Lord, that's possible because of, of, of your son. And, and Jesus, there may be people in this room who need to turn to you and, and say, Jesus, I, I accept your gift. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. As I take these emblems right now, they represent what you did for me on the cross, and they represent me accepting them into myself. Because it's a free gift, but we have to accept it, so let them do that right now. Be with us as we commune. Be with us as we celebrate Father's Day and maybe a new way today. And in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.